The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny, Sestina, and company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm debt. so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my When's parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Greetings, hello, and welcome. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. I'm your host tonight, Tony Payne in studio. On the phone with me is John Sestina. Also in studio, Jared Locke. Good to be here with you guys. Good to be with you. Good to have Jared on board. Yeah, happy to be here today. Jared, you have a great radio voice, Tony. He ought to do this more often. <laughs> oh, we're going to get him out here more often. <laughs> this is good. Yeah, that's the goal. Well, today's topic, Jared, you inspired it. We're thinking about, you know, there are lessons that we want to impart on our young people and even ourselves where we wonder, what should I teach a 20-year-old about money? And I think we can all reflect back to our 20-year-old selves and wonder, now, what do I wish I would have known? And, John, we'll start with you, but if you could go back and talk to 20-year-old Mr. Sestina, what would you tell him? Okay, well, I would say get ready for life because here it is, and you need to start taking care of yourself, and that's a big, big, big deal. And that first means having some discipline with you and your affairs, and money's a big one because while you're in your 20s, that's the most lucrative time for you. I know your salary might be low, but that's a time where you can make the most money. You know what I mean, Tony? I think I do, but maybe explain a little bit better for us. Well, we've got this thing called compound interest. And what that means is the earlier you start, the more time you have, the more advantageous it is to you. You can get far, far away. So there are illustrations we might come to about you saving money and your buddy saving money. And you starting with 100 bucks a month, and he starts with 1000 bucks a month, and you will exceed what he has, even though he puts away more money than you. That ought to keep him on, Tony. That's a pretty good illustration for radio, John. I mean, we can get lost in the numbers and all that, but the idea of compounding interest, you know, if you're putting off savings and saying, I'll do it in my 40s or 50s, or I'll do it when I get the raise or I get a better job, that money that you could be setting aside, even if your pay is lower, the value of it growing over time is so valuable. It sure is. And if you, you know, this is the, actually the most fruitful time of your life. It's hard to believe that, I know. But if you can save more of your money at age 20 and 21 and so forth, you're going to have a lot better life as you grow older. I mean, imagine if you could save your whole salary. Now, I know you can't do that. But if you could save your whole salary for the first 10 years of your life, then you would never have to work again. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, it would. Yeah, it would. And so yeah. that's really what we're talking about. When we talk about saving money, what's the purpose? It's for financial independence. A lot of people talk about retirement. You know I don't. It's financial independence. That means that you're in a place where you can do what you want to do when you want to do it. If you want to keep working, you can. If you want to start a new career, you can. Or if you want to sit on the porch and watch the grass grow, you can do that as well. And sadly, most Americans don't even save any money, and that's a real, real problem. 
And then when times like uh, these come along and there's emergencies, they don't have any cash, your favorite topic, Tony, they don't have any cash to last through the uh, year of unemployment. Right. Right. Now, these are the things, though, again, if we do it early, everything you said there, it sounds like the earlier the better. And we're talking about a 20-year-old today. There's lessons you can give earlier on in life that will be more important. Hopefully, you're imparting those all along the way. But we're talking about those 20-year-olds right now, those early years of mid-school, first job, where, you know what, it is tight, perhaps. And I remember, John, you talking a lot about ego and that ego monster is a big bad thing, and today especially with social media and just the culture that we're in, it's very easy to get caught up in putting pictures up and keeping up appearances. So I think another point I'd go back and tell myself and others too would be don't let ego get in the way because so much of this stuff is long-term. And if you're just focused on the here and now, that's all going to go away. It's not really going to matter. Yeah, sadly, when you're young, you're influenced more easily. And, you know, your buddy gets a new car, so you want a new car, and you're just out of college, and you want to live in a nice apartment, get out of home. Well, those are all desperate uh, to your finances, so be aware you shouldn't do those. This is the time. I hate to use that magic word, Tony. Oh, I know it's coming. Discipline. Oh, it was the D word. I knew it. Discipline. <laughs> I hate that word. You know, you hear it, and it's like, oh, you got to go to the principal. From an early age, discipline seems to be a negative but the more you have self-discipline, self-control, it really leads to self-reliance. Uh, you need to do it. We know today that 28% of adults, are you ready for this, have no savings at all. It's a sad stat. That's but a real true. stat. So when something desperate happens, like you know, losing uh, 10,000 jobs at the stroke of a pen, and that's you, well, you better have something to rely on for time until those Wonderful green jobs come available, Tony. Yeah. Well, I mean, what you're saying, John, though, I mean, think about it. You may decide to quit. You, Your employer may decide to, hey, I don't need you. Someone else outside of your employer may say, hey, you can't do that anymore. So no matter what the situation almost, you need to be self-reliant. You need to have a plan for yourself. So hopefully we're imparting that young, but even now later on in life, it's never too late to start that. So the idea of being self-reliant and having that clean slate, you know, I think when we say clean slate, we think about debt. So when we think about debt, Jared, I see you smiling over there. From what you know already, you know, just the imprint of what society's given you, how, how do you think about debt? Uh, debt's a scary word to me. I mean, uh, someone not too far out of college, that student loan debt, it's it can be scary. And then the uh, temptation of things like credit cards. And if you don't pay those off, that debt adds up too. And it it can definitely be a, a, a scary world if you, if that debt gets a hold of you. Yeah, that well, and logically, if people think about it, let's say you do have credit cards, and uh, I think I used only 18% interest on credit cards last time, how would you're paying 18% on any unpaid balance, and that's after taxes, so you have to earn how much more money than that so that you can pay that interest just because you had to have that, mm, I don't know, that new whatever one year sooner than you had to have it. I always talk about the fact when you buy that car, that first car, Tony, and you're looking at it, and can you still buy a car for 25000 Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. So you go out, and you're all excited, and you even pay cash for the car. Get excited now. Right. We're going to pay cash for that fancy-dancy car, 
And what that costs you, because of compound interest, at $25,000, by the time you hit retirement, that will have cost you over $600,000. You really had to love that car. <laughs> you really had to love that car. I, I know. It, that's what I always say. You know that. That car better be good. Better last you 20, <laughs> 40 years, too. <laughs> well, on that note, John, I don't know that I ever told you this, but I remember you telling me years ago that if you're going to make a big purchase, get the cash, lay it out, look at the cash, and just that exercise of do I really want to make this purchase and I did that with my first vehicle, and I thought so hard about it. Uh, it was such a thing. So that was a good lesson, John. Well, it's a good lesson for everyone to pay cash for everything. You know, credit cards, as you said, Jared, that's, that's a real temptation. You know, they give credit cards now to students while they're in college, which is a little dangerous because all of a sudden, you know, they're a little weaker, and they use the credit cards, I don't know, to buy extra pizza for the gang or whatever the case may be, and you build up some debt. So it's an easy temptation, but you pay all that interest on that credit cards. Wouldn't you like to be investing at 18% per year after taxes? See, and that's what we're going to get to as we continue here because we're coming up on a break here. And as we come back, we'll continue on those kind of lessons for what should I teach a 20-year-old about money. So you're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTBN. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Greetings. Hello and welcome back. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTBN. I'm your host in studio tonight, Tony Payne. With me are Jared Locke and John Sestina. Tonight, we're going through lessons for that 20-year-old self. So at the end of that, John, the last segment, you were talking about the power of investing compound interest to the upside versus the credit card side. What else should we know there? What high points would you hit on? Well, the high point is learn to pay everything for cash. When you go to buy something, anything, car, house, anything, if you don't have the cash to pay for it, you can't afford it. And that usually rocks most people because, especially in today's interest rates, you know, 2% or whatever they are, well, why should I pay cash for it? Well, it's, you may not necessarily actually pay the cash, but you should have the cash when the time comes. You may decide then that it's a good idea economically to do the low-interest mortgage, and that makes sense then. But the key is get your brain working as to your decisions. And so that's the problem with the credit cards is you typically are making emotional decisions. You place that plastic down. It's not even real cash. You know, it doesn't feel like you're spending any real money, and you don't have to worry about it for a couple of weeks. So that's, that's a real negative. So as a 20-year-old, put away that credit card, go with cash, select and do what you did, Tony. Spend some time deciding, is this something I really need, not something I want? And, you know, in today's world, there's so many things. I just, uh, you know, my head spins when I see all the things that people are running around wasting money on. And then no wonder only 28% of them are saving anything. 
my heated outdoor shower, John? Is that what you're talking about? And I'm kidding. I don't have that. But uh, that's the kind of example I think. Those home renovation projects have no end. There is no end to those. And certainly if you can afford it, those kind of things are fun. Going shopping's fun sometimes. Going on trips is fun. Taking care of family's fun. But at the same time, you have to know what's enough for your plan to be sustainable. Otherwise, all those things come and go, and at the end of the day, you're left with not. Well, what does Jared think we had to, uh, a 20-year-old ought to know about this time? Uh, I'm Off of what you said, make sure that you can pay for this stuff in cash. And if you are going to use a credit card, I mean, the way I look at it is make sure that you're paying that full balance off every single month. Make your brain work in that way that you know that you have to pay that. Whatever the amount on that is, it's getting paid off at the end of the month. It keeps you from overspending, and it just it builds that healthy habit of not carrying over debt from month to month. Good good show. I mean, using, engaging the brain is an important thing. I mean, I had a conversation with someone the other day, and we were discussing an issue, and they said, well, Facebook said something negative about this person. And I looked at him, I said, you're telling me that Facebook is your uh, mentor for making decisions? That's really scary, Tony. Yeah. So that's what worries me about the young 20-year-olds. If they're making decisions based on Facebook or whatever all those things are, you know, DDT or MZZ and Instagram and whatever they all are, they're, they're being, their brain power is not engaged. They're being diffused. First of all, you're excited about the uh, pictures on your machine, your hand, your phone, it's very convenient, and you see people walking around all the time doing nothing but looking at their phones. They're at dinner with each other, and they're on their phones. Well, that means they're they're what is it? They're uh, they're locked into that thing. Yeah, yeah, removed from the space. And yeah, they're removed, and so they're making decisions in this world of fantasy, and that's what we're trying to get them to stop doing. We need them to engage their brain, as Jared said. That's great so that they're making practical decisions. I know you don't want to hear that, but it's really, really important to make these practical decisions, especially in your 20s. Uh, John, you're giving me nightmares back, though, of those times and thinking about, again, you. it was so beneficial for me to have you in my ear through all that because the idea, again, of ego and that monster coming about, you've got to be able to separate wants and needs and to be able to live at home the first couple years after school. I mean, that's an ego hurt sometimes to say, oh, where's, where are you going? Where are you going after? I'm going back home. I'm going to my mom's basement. We're going to hang out there. That's an ego thing sometimes. But to say that and be comfortable that, you know, I'm growing my cash reserve. I'm being able to dedicate assets elsewhere. There's peace of mind there that doesn't show up anywhere else. But if you haven't really had that discussion of what are wants and needs and how can ego get in the way and how do you get yourself out of that? I mean, these are the powerful lessons that the more we can teach and spread them around the better. Well, Tony, you had such a good background in your family that uh, you were an easy student. But so many people today, the parents are dis just as disengaged as the kids are. And so really by the time they're 20, it may be too late. Now, on, th on that note, too, when we think about maybe some of the earlier lessons to get to, I mean, the idea that money is a real thing. I mean, if you're showing up in your 20s and you haven't really had to manage any money before, whether it's a bank account, checking account, having a job, it's too late. It is too late. Just think how terrifying it is that they want to make uh, it possible for 16-year-olds 16 16 to vote. 
They've never paid a mortgage. They've never had anything real on their plates, and they're making economic decisions for the country. That's pretty scary, Tony. Yeah. No, again, you're right. I mean, there's a reason why we pick ages, and maybe some of it's subjective, but at the end of the day, we all acknowledge there's different development stages. And at some points, you're more of a, we'll say, well-thought person in society than others. And what and, is it they tell us? The cort- brain cortex doesn't even fully develop until you're 21 years old? Uh, I'm not a scientist, John, but it sounds right. I'm I'm going to admit that. I'll I'll say I'll stick to my financial stuff. Okay. Um, but but on that note, though, I mean, the idea is this behavioral finance. That's what we're talking about. The more you have knowledge, the more you're aware of things earlier on, the better. And one of the things to do that is let children earn their own money. You know, if they're in their twenties or they're in their teens and they have school and they have sports, it's sometimes easy to say, hey. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of that. Focus on school. But at the end of the day, if you're going to be a well-rounded person, typically, you're going to have to manage that your whole life. There's going to be sports. There's going to be work. There's going to be family. So at least my opinion, John, I think you got to get to work early on. Yep, you do. And we had uh, good luck with our daughter. She was uh, six years old when she got her first money lesson, uh, maybe younger. And uh, what we'd do is give her, this is a very long time ago, so... We would give her a quarter before we went into any store because you know how little kids are? Gimme, gimme, gimme all the time. So we gave her a quarter and said, you can spend that any way you want. And by golly, the first few times we went in that store, you can believe she went through that quarter in a millisecond. <laughs> okay, but after a while, she began to realize how it worked. And so pretty soon she'd come out and she had change. And I'd say, why do you have that? She says, well, I saw something else that I want. So if I just buy, you know, save a little bit here and there, in the next couple times I'll be able to buy that. It's an automatic learning lesson. You know, you don't get up and lecture your kids. They're, they get all that in school and everywhere else. So let them gain some experience with money. Let them learn. That's the key. Part of that learning, too, John, just to continue that, is making mistakes. And when you make mistakes early on and those mistakes are smaller, you learn from them. They're not as impactful. But if you let that 16-year-old get their whole paycheck, go do something silly with it, I bet after a while they're not going to do that again. That's right. You need to teach them early on that they should be saving money. Uh, Even my daughter, we would tell her that she had to build a snowball. And she looked at me kind of crazy, as everyone else does, too. But I told her she always had to save at that time at least 10% of what she made. So if she babysat, whatever she did, she would save 10%. And she said, why do I have to do this? I said, because your snowball is going to grow. And that she could relate to. She could see a snowball rolling down the hill getting bigger and bigger and bigger because at that time a piggy bank was, bank was the only thing she had. Later she had a savings account. It made more sense. See, and that's the kind of lessons we're talking about. And we'll continue on here. We're coming up against a break. So as we come back, we'll talk about what to do and more here. You're listening to Managing, Be- Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Greetings. Hello and welcome back. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. I'm your host in studio tonight, Tony Payne. On the phones, John Sestina, Jared Locke. Today we're talking about what would we teach that 20 year old about money? 
So we've gone through a couple different things today so far. And, you know, you may have questions yourself or you're not 20 anymore and you're wondering, what should I do? Uh, Give us a call. Our office is open, 614-326-3077. You could visit visit us on the web at managingtobewealthy.com. Fill out our questionnaire. We can still get together over the web now so that we can be helpful here for you in your scenario. But as we get back to the topic of the day here, what should we teach a 20-year-old about money? We've talked about work, the value of work. Jared put you on the spot. When was your first job? Uh, First real job was at 16, but my grandparents had me mowing their lawn since I was probably 12 years old. Okay. (laughs) Pushing or riding? Uh, Pushing at first, and then I got upgraded to the riding mower. See, and that's the kind of lesson. Mm -hmm. I I remember working and, and doing through that and thinking, ooh, this is work. This mm-hmm. is hard. I've got to. I've got to manage how much of this I have to do. Mm-hmm. That was a good lesson. Sure was. Awesome. Awesome. And the lesson is to recognize you have to exert effort to get money, and that's why when we say things like "nothing is free," then people would better understand that when we're talking about larger economic issues, mm-hmm. like Medicare is not free. You know, nothing's free, and so people need to realize because I think there's been a separation somehow. They need to realize you have to you have to put in some effort for things to go forward. And you can't just say, okay, we'll take care of it, don't worry, it's all going to be free, pat you on the back, and run you into uh, financial distress. Because quite frankly, we're talking about 20s, but the time to learn about money is sooner than that. Again, I'll go back to my daughter. I remember she, she once wanted a little teddy bear. It was called Timothy. Very popular back in, you know, aught seven or whatever, a century. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to update some of these references, John. We're, we're going to be in trouble here. <laughs> but she wanted that bear like crazy, and she was begging to have it. And I said, I'm, you know, I'm the meanest dad in the world. And I said, no. I said, if you want it, you save up your money and you buy it. And by golly, that little stinker did it. <laughs> she did just that. She worked, took on extra little jobs she could do. She would say, can I do this chore for some money and so on and so forth. Because, see, we gave her a little bit of a allowance, but not much. There were certain things she had to do to contribute to the family. You don't get paid to pick up the dishes off the table and so forth. And so she would do these extra chores. And sure enough, she ended up with Timothy. That was her most favorite toy ever. She kept Timothy until it fell apart. I remember the eye falling out of there, and she was sad. Aww. But she earned every nickel of that. So you've got to teach them the value of money and the value of effort to have something. And she's terrific with money now. She and her husband are excellent. See, and that's the full circle here. I mean, this is what we're talking about, though, is the earlier the better. Knowledge is powerful. And to convey knowledge the best way, it's through experience. I mean, we can sit here and talk at people all day, but until you do it and sit in those shoes and go through it, it doesn't really matter. Stories help. She also went through the fad. You know, she's a girl and pretty and all that stuff. And she wanted those jeans with holes in them. Can you believe anybody would spend money on jeans with holes in them? (laughs) But not only are they there, but they're more expensive than the others. So she wanted those, and I said, not in my house. I'm not going to have you looking like a bum or that we can't afford to buy you jeans. So once again, if you want them, you have to buy them. But also, if you buy them, then you have to buy all your clothes here on. She didn't get the jeans. 
See, all right, and and this is where though we can have these conversations and be able to go back and forth and be open with each other. And every family's a little different, but at the end of the day, I mean, these are important conversations to not ignore, to not duck your head in the sand. And sometimes I think we've seen it. I know I've seen it. Guilt comes into play. And if you're working all day and you haven't been able to spend some time and maybe you just sit on the couch and crack a beer and that's the evening, it's easy to just say, hey, here's the credit card. Here, let me take care of this. And we know it. The harder lesson is getting up, going out there, helping them get that job, helping them fill out a resume, taking them to the interviews. When you get that child up and running and going, you're setting them off on the best path ever. So as much as you might worry about saving and leaving them money at the end of the day, so much of the focus is there. We think it should be on the front end. Yeah, the younger they are, the and the more you do for them. I remember taking Allison to the bank to open up her first savings account. That was quite an experience. You know, she was still young. She really couldn't do it. She wasn't 18 yet. But we went anyway and went through the effort. And I opened it up with me signing for it. But then she would watch that book to make sure she was doing well. So again, it's another effort, another exertion of of Parents be involved with their kids and letting the kid learn some things because you can look in that check uh, savings account and see it growing, and that's when you begin to understand the interest. You say, how come that went up $3 this month? Well, that's because the bank paid you interest. But if you'd borrowed the money, you'd have to pay $3 in interest. So they begin to see it and realize it. Yeah, and I was going to make a joke there, John. I was going to, do banks still pay interest? Apparently. Uh, yeah, but but again, if the lesson is save, accumulate, and deep down, I mean, there is something going on in this environment where savers are not being rewarded with an interest rate, and it's pushing people to take on more risk than what they might normally take. I mean, if you think about most normal or neutral times, you might earn 2 3% in your checking or savings account, Right now, we're earning maybe half of that, not even that, a quarter of that. So if you think about that, that pushes people just naturally to say, I want a higher return. I want more yield. But if we're thinking about that, then we're not focused on just our savings and seeing our savings grow and keep up. So I think we have to keep that in mind, too, that, yeah, the interest rate isn't really there, but that shouldn't push us into doing other riskier things. Now, there's a place for a savings account, even now with this low interest rate. Number one, it's a secure place to put your money. You know, there's still the FDIC insurance of $250,000. So if the stock market gets a little shaky and you need some cash, you need a place to run to, and that savings account is the place. Not the CD, because you've cashed in the CD, then you're going to have to forego some interest, and you don't want to do that. So there's still a place. You still need, Tony, your favorite phrase, have to have a little reserve, and the savings account is a good place to do it. Yep. You see it so much. I mean, again, why do I love the reserve so much? We keep talking about it, but the uh, bad events will happen. Surprises happen. We can all agree to that. Bad things are going to happen at some point. It might be with your health or your employer or something else. When that bad thing happens that we've all agreed now is inevitable, what do we do? I mean, you know it's coming. We know it's all It's a tire. The car didn't start. Something's going to happen. Is it going to be the credit card? Is it going to be calling somebody? Is it going to be borrowing at a high interest rate? Or is it going to be, hey, I've dedicated some savings to be able to at least try to manage? I don't know what my emergency is going to be, but I know I'm going to have one inevitably. And if we can live with that philosophy, and again, as we grow, we earn more, we, we see we have more expenses, that reserve grows. 
But from the very beginning, we should have a reserve. Yeah, I feel so sorry for all these people. You know, the overnight they lose their jobs. Uh, what are they going to do now? How long can they last with what they have before they get whatever kind of job is going to be available to them? Right, right. These are the things, again, we know it's, it happens, whether it happens to you or not, that might be a different story. But, you know, as we plan and try to manage risk, all of us in our lives, we want to be conscious of this. And that reserve is a big thing. And the earlier on you can start it, the easier it is to build it, watch it grow, kind of forget about it over time. So we're coming up on another break here. We'll come back. But as we do, we want you thinking about that. What should, what should you teach a 20-year-old? What would you teach your 20-year-old self? These are the kinds of things hopefully we'll learn from. So we'll come back and continue talking about that and more. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Greetings. Hello and welcome back. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Tonight we're talking about what should we teach that 20-year-old about money. Whether it's us or someone else, we need to know. In studio tonight with me is Jared Locke and on the phones, John Sestina. As we go through these topics, guys, we've talked about a lot. Savings, the power of compound interest, avoiding the bad debt. There's been a few lessons that we've talked through here. John, if you were going to boil it down to a couple lessons, what what would you take away from tonight? <laughs> well, the first thing, as we discussed, is to gain some discipline. I know that's a hard word, Tony, but gain some <laughs> discipline. Learn. You say, well, I don't know anything about money. Well, learn, daggone it. That's what you need to do. It's your money. No one cares more about it than you do. So, you know, you can't go around with the attitude, well, nothing bad's ever going to happen to me. I'm sure those people who have good jobs now and wake up tomorrow and there's a pink slip on their desk are going to be just as surprised as can be. So, you know, people always say, it's not me. It'll never happen to me. And guess what? They're next. Yeah. Well, you said it, John, all along, and I keep flashing back to lessons, and I realize now how lucky I was to get those lessons early on and not have you charge me. Uh, but the idea of just going through and saying, don't plan for the if comes. Don't plan for the next job. Don't plan for the next raise. Don't plan on, well, maybe I'll have a little extra next month and I'll I'll, sac- I'll do it now. No, that's the opposite way because if you're already committing money before it's in the door, that's the opposite. And we haven't even talked tonight about our favorite phrase, pay yourself first. You bet. So especially when we're young and when we have a limited amount of money, it's important to pay ourselves first. So to think back that we might have earned money at 16 and what we did with that money, if we're paying ourselves first, well, then there's 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years maybe of compound growth. And when we think about the value of that over time, it's astronomical. In the millions. Yeah. Forget about hitting the lottery. If you're just disciplined and put money in and leave it alone, and that's the discipline. That's the hard part. But if you can do that, you're going to see that. And take advantage of the tools. Learn about these things. You know, I'm sure people have heard talk about the Roth IRA, but 20-year-olds, that's such a home run for you. I can't begin to express it. You know, you put that money, what, 6000 a year, Tony? A little bit more now, too. That's a little bit more there. So you put that away. 
and by the time you're 65 or whatever you want to retire, you'll be shocked at how much money that is. <laughs> and the benefits, too, of the Roth, just to save them, if it's in that special type of account. And again, it's just an account. Just like you'd open a bank account or a brokerage account, it's an account. You select a different type there, and that you know takes some of the mystery out of this. But then you open that account, and by it being the special type, by checking that box instead of another box, now all the money that's in there, all that growth, you're not paying taxes on. When you take the money out, you're not paying taxes on it. If you check a different kind of box, that doesn't apply. You might be paying taxes. You might pay taxes when you take it out. So that Roth is such a special bucket. That's why we emphasize that so much. With that, oh, go ahead, John. I was going to say, Jared, what do you think about that? I mean, when I have conversations with my friends and they're asking me, what should I do with my money, my extra money? I, Roth IRA is, is the thing that I'm suggesting to them. I've got a couple of buddies that have already opened one up, and I don't know if they realize how beneficial it's going to be that they even put 20 30 bucks 30 in each month, but I'm hoping that down the line they can look back and be like, Jared gave them some pretty good advice back then. Betcha. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And along those lines, too, and if we're talking about giving advice, I mean, and, and to your point and my point, all of us, if we're going to give advice, we need to live it. And the idea, too, if you're that person who has that 20-year-old in your life and you're trying to impart some knowledge, reflect on yourself. Am I living what I'm trying to teach? Because we know it. You can't be a very good teacher if you're not practicing what you're preaching. So if you can go through and say, look at what we've done. Here's how we've done it. This is where I had to make a change. And to speak from truth, there's just something different about that than saying, well, here's a lesson from the book, and we think you should save this much. And No, when you can do it and you've seen the value over time, you can really impart it with just such a different level of authority that you know, it really comes through. Yeah, and, and don't get hung up on money per se. I mean, some people are not money-oriented at all. You want to get focused on goals. You know, why would you want to do this? Why would you want to put this money away? What's it going to accomplish for you or for others? So you get a mindset where you're, you see this as one tool in your life, just like so many other things, that you can manipulate to your benefit and to the help of others. That's what money is. I mean, when we think about money, it's just a thing, but it's what you can do with it that matters. And if you're planning and you have control, you can stretch it a lot further. You can accomplish more goals with it. Yeah, back when I was a kid, you know, Tony, we used wampum. <laughs> That's the wooden. Uh-oh. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, John, as I, I reflect back, and I'm laughing with you here, I mean, the lessons and how much you've seen over time. I mean, you've thrown back a couple examples here, but from the beginning until now, what do you think is the biggest change about how people think about money? I think the difference is that they don't think about money anymore, and that's that's a real challenge. That's why there are, it, you know, there's no really, not really any place to go learn. We try to give education. There are lots of books written, but for the most part, you know, they're promoting their services or their deal or their product, and those don't help you so much. So you need to, well, we have a book out, Tony. What's the name of that book that they could buy and learn a little bit? Well, you've got Planning Your Successful, successful Future. We've That's got good. Managing to be Wealthy. You, you've got quite a library, John. Well, we have a couple books out that would help you get started. And that's what's amazing. You, you know, in discipline your life, 
if you exercise, you have to set aside time to do that. And you maybe go to the gym, or if you can't afford it, you exercise at home, and you figure out a way that you can do it without all the expensive equipment or gym fees. Same thing is true here. You have to set aside time on a regular basis with you, and if you have a spouse, your spouse, and decide things about what this is. You may not like it. It doesn't matter if you like it. That's what discipline is. A lot of things we do, you know, when you work out, it hurts if you work out well. And the same thing is true here. You don't have to like this, but it's something really important to your life and your family's life. As we hear that, it just settles. I mean, I was going to comment after that, John, but I had to keep listening with you because the idea is the more we can just have have control, have knowledge, be disciplined. The more we do these core values, the more it will show up. I mean, like you said, John, it's not necessarily about the money. Money's not what excites people normally. It's what you can do. It's reaching goals. It's my family's education is provided for. I don't have to worry about losing my home if I retire. I've got my things paid off. I can you know, enjoy a couple things on the weekend that I really enjoy. That's what we do with our money, not just you know have this thing accumulating on a statement. I mean, think about it, Tony. There's this huge amount of college debt right now. Why wasn't that the case when I was graduating from college? What was the difference when all those people were going to college and they graduated? Either it was paid when they graduated or they did have some kind of debt that they managed to take care of. Now everyone's sitting there, well, I'm going to college. I'm going to borrow 12 years worth of time. You know, when I taught at university and learned about the five-year, 50-year senior, I couldn't believe it. You know, my parents said, you got to get, get it done in four years or else. Or else. Right. Well, so go go get this thing done, and some parents saved in advance, that's great. But if they didn't, it's not on your parents. Your college is for you. It's your benefit. You want to earn it. You have to work for it. And, you know, going out and randomly borrowing money, if you have to work a quarter, go to school a quarter, work a quarter, I had to uh, take a full year off in the middle of my routine of going to college because I couldn't afford it. I had to make some money. And then I went back to college for my junior and senior years. You got to do what you got to do. You have to you have to manage yourself and back to discipline, Tony. Well, with that, I think that's a great lesson to end on today and leave our listeners with. So it's been a great show, exciting stuff, guys. With that, you've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio six ten WTVN.